Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Pastor Paul, Tuesday, January 23rd. Welcome to this week's round of our pastoral devotionals. Uh, sorry, couldn't be here yesterday. Um, just still getting my feet back under the ground after the elder retreat and all those other things this past weekend, but we are rip raring to go. Uh, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and our practice here is to look at the passage that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. And remember, our goal in doing this is not simply to dispense theological information or um, Bible knowledge, as important as those are. It's really to help you um, get a better grasp of how to study the scriptures for yourself. So as you see me working through a passage, kind of going through a process of picking that passage apart, trying to understand it and apply it. Hopefully it'll give you some, some tools that you can use as well. All right, so let's read the passage that we're going to be in for this week. And let's try to, to, to get a 45,000 foot view of what's happening here and set a course for uh, the rest of the week. So here we are, we're in Matthew 15 verses 29 and following. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. <clears throat> and great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Okay, so what we oftentimes talk about is that when we come to study a passage of Scripture, we have to keep in mind, obviously, that the sermon divisions or chapter divisions, verse divisions, even what we're going to talk about on any given week are, are, are somewhat arbitrary, right? Matthew did not include those when he wrote the gospel. He wrote this as a, as a long, selective narrative, biographical count of Jesus's ministry which means he included some things, didn't include others. It also means that we can't just drop into a passage and start trying to interpret and apply it without having some semblance, right, of, of the larger context and how it flows in the general part of the story. So starting at the highest level, we know that Matthew's aim in writing this gospel was to show that Jesus is the Christ. He is the chosen one. He is the king, the Jewish Messiah, the fulfillment of all, all of God's Old Testament promises and hopes and expectations of his, of his people. And as such, um, 
he's marshaling evidence to, to, to make that case. And as we've seen, almost all of Jesus's ministry thus far has taken place within the four walls, so to speak, of Palestine, of Israel. And, and it, until, and this is, this is part of our context, we saw right before this, last week in our sermon, in the passage, that Jesus ventures into solidly Gentile territory. Tyre and Sidon, this is modern day Lebanon. Um, Jesus is going there, he's retreating, he's retreating from the political opposition, from the religious opposition. He's gathering up and mustering his strength and forces with his disciples to make the long trek to Jerusalem where he is going to die. And, but in the middle of this, we saw last week, this, this woman, this Phoenician woman, Canaanite woman, comes to him and begs for him to heal her. And we're not going to rehash that passage except to say that Jesus, um, in, as part of his response, indicates that his initial mission, his, his, the thrust of his mission was to come first to the Jews as God's people. Now, this didn't mean he didn't have a larger purpose of also reaching the nations, right? We, we learned that from Matthew 28. But what we do know is that he began with the Jews. He began with God's uh, chosen people, which means that any sort of venture outside of that at this point in the story is going to be highly significant, right? What is Matthew trying to tell us? And what we have in our passage today is a continuation of Jesus's ministry in the Gentile regions of Palestine in this area, right? And so it says when he went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he is now on the western shore. Um, this is the area known as the Decapolis, right? This is a Gentile region. This is uh, there, it's, there is Roman occupation. There, there's a hodgepodge of nationalities and ethnicities that live in this region. So this is a clue to us, right? Jesus is still in Gentile territory. So that, that, that's something we want to note, okay? And it says that there are great crowds bringing people to him continually. Now, in addition to this, what we also see is another feeding of the people by the miraculous giving of bread, okay? Now, that should grab our attention because there's a couple of things that, that we want to think about. Number one, is this the same episode that Matthew recorded earlier um, for us uh, about the feeding of the 5,000? And is this just sort of a mishmash and Matthew's confused or, or, or what have you. Um, and, and we know that's not the case, okay, for a couple of reasons. All right, number one, if you look down in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus himself refers to these two feedings as two separate instances. Like look at Matthew 16, 9. Do you not yet perceive do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? So clearly, there's no confusion here in Matthew's mind and Jesus' mind. There, there were two different miracles that are seemingly virtually identical, right? Jesus taking a little fish and loaves, multiplying them, 
recreating the miracle of Moses, um, uh, of, the, of the feeding of the people of God in the wilderness with the manna. But then we have to ask, why would Matthew include a second episode? Why would Jesus do a seemingly identical miracle? What's, what's the distinction here? Why the repetition? Which is important because, again, Matthew doesn't just include things to include them. And as we look at the larger context, what should be clearly obvious once, once we've looked at this is that while the feeding of the 5,000 was for a Jewish audience, the feeding of the 4,000 was, was for a Gentile audience. And all of a sudden, right, we now have a different flavor, okay, uh, or, or, or a different mindset as to why Matthew might have done this, okay? There's something significant about this Gentile piece, okay? So, so, so that's another observation, okay? One final observation we can make in our initial survey is that when we look through this and scope out the main idea, I think what's, what's being pressed upon us is the, the sheer suffering of humanity and the extravagant compassion and love of Jesus, okay? So verse 30, I mean, this is like, you know, this is like the, the, the processional of, of the damned, right? And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, right? I mean, this is, um, this is a parade of, of humanity, of great suffering, a humanitarian crisis, right? And what does it say he does? He healed them. Doesn't say anything about his teaching, doesn't say anything about um, making disciples. And then go back down again. Verse 32, Jesus says, I have compassion on the crowd. Okay. So you have all these things converging where for a, an original Jewish audience that he was writing to, this would all have come as a rather of a shock, right? This is the Jewish Messiah. That means he does Jewish things. He keeps away from Gentiles. He doesn't become ritually impure. He focuses on his ethnic brothers and sisters, right? But here, Jesus is doing something quite unexpected of a Jewish Messiah. He is hanging out, camping out in Gentile regions, interacting with Gentile um, uh people who are richly impure, who are defiled spiritually, not to mention physically. And it says that Jesus, I mean, he's not in distant proximity. It says he's in close proximity. They put them at his feet and he healed them. This would have been incredibly shocking. And in addition, it would have been incredibly shocking to see Jesus recreate this miracle that was originally done for Jewish people and symbolizing the, the manna in the wilderness with Moses and the, and, and the Israelites. But now he's doing them for Gentiles. So here's your assignment should you choose to accept it. And, and I've asked you to do similar things before, but it would be very helpful 
to go and look in Matthew's gospel and what are the other times that Jesus interacts with Gentiles or the disciples interact with Gentiles. What's happening? What's the posture? What's the situation? And you're going to find a number of them, right? Um, both good and bad interactions. And I think as you begin to look at those things, it will put a particular flavor on what Jesus is attempting to do and to show us in this passage, um, and then how this relates to our lives, okay? Just one little tiny application point before you go today. When you look at people, when you look at the world, the brokenness, the sinfulness, even the evil of the world, what is your initial impulse? Is it to be angry or is it to be compassionate? Okay, Compassionate does not mean um, a wink and a nod and a smile at sin. Compassionate does not mean you're in denial about the reality of a situation. Compassion means compassion. And you may say, well, 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 tell me more about that, Pastor Paul. Well, I will, but it will have to happen tomorrow. All right, so let's pray, commit our week to the Lord, and uh, let's go from this place. Lord, you're showing us something about your heart here in this, in this text. You're showing us something about your posture to, towards those who are far off. And so, Father, give us your heart, give us your eyes, give us your ears, that we may see the brokenness and sinfulness and, yes, evil of the world the way that you did. So, Lord, give us grace as we study this passage this week. In your name, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.